0: What's up friends, welcome back to the Dark Waters, I'm your host Josh, it's Thursday, look I'm sorry, uh, this is the third episode this week, the third intro, I know you guys are sick of hearing my voice, uh, but I wanted to put out some content because uh, tomorrow I leave to head up north to uh, the St. Lawrence River area, uh, I got a tournament closer there on Sunday, uh, big smallmouth fishing going on this weekend for me, so i uh, be camping out till about Wednesday and then I head out to uh, Lake Champlain to get ready for the Hobie event. Um, uh, which is on like the 26th and the 28th, so I'll be gone, uh, won't be putting out, I, I can't, I don't know when my next recording will be, uh, obviously sometime after the 28th, but, uh, just want to go ahead and like, there was so much to talk about, uh, like over the last two weeks, um, you know, with the Possum Kingdom, um, and just some other things, so I just want to get this shit done, over and done with, uh, so just, just to have some content out there, so for you guys who actually enjoyed the podcast, we'll have something, and you won't send me those weird texts like, where you at, bro, um, I'm I'm hustling, um, but uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, we'll make this short and simple. Uh, sponsors: Six Fishing, Six Rods, to cover all your techniques and lures. Use uh, discount code Dark Waters. Uh, we're powered by Dakota Lithium, best batteries in the business. Uh, Exxon Lures. Use discount code Capital D Capital W for some uh, Capital D Capital W fifteen for some badass plastics and Rogue Fishing Company. Don't lose your shit. Discount code Dark Waters. Uh, my guest today, uh, Drew Gregory. Uh, he reached out to me the other day, said, "Hey, let's do a recap of uh, Possum Kingdom and talk about uh, Lake Champlain." I'm like, "Well, hell yeah!" So he came on the show. Uh, it was a day recording, so wasn't. Dr- I mean, I was sober. Uh, the shit went great. It was organized. My questions were on point. Probably one of the best podcasts I've ever done. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but yeah, the shit like it was it, it flowed really well. We also talked about possum kingdom Uh, we talked about lake Champlain, But then we talked about a whole bunch of other shit that I really wanted to pick his brain about Uh, uh to me it was it was an awesome episode. So, uh, hope you guys enjoyed obviously drew gregory Uh, he's he's uh, he's a pioneer of our sport and whenever I, he, I get a chance to talk to him like i'm, I'm very I'm, I'm excited So I hope you guys have the same excitement. I am enjoy this episode Uh, i'll see you guys when I get back Uh, hopefully the next time you see me i'll be on uh, the, the Kayak Bass Nation live with Ryan Lambert and Jeff Mallett as they, as they talk to me about my big win on Hobie and I had that big ass check behind my head. Uh, dude, I asked the universe, I put it towards the universe and I should get what I asked for, right? Cause that's how this shit works. So, um. Uh, Just kidding. Uh, The universe could care less about the things I want in life. But uh, anyways, I'm looking forward to this tournament. Looking forward to coming back and and, and sharing my stories and talking to some people about it. But uh, that's it for me, guys. I'll see you when I see you. Uh, Ciao. what's up drew thanks for coming back on the show man
1: dude i'm excited to be here man i love your show and uh, your enthusiasm for the sport we need more people covering it just like you
0: well dude i I really do appreciate you reaching out to me because i know that you do podcasts and sometimes it's a pain in the ass to uh Mm -hmm. You're not really paying the ass, but you just feel weird just constantly yeah. asking, dude, come on my show, come on my show. And it's just like, dude, people got lives, man. You can't expect everyone to drop everything they have just come to your show. So it's nice when someone actually yeah. reaches out to me and hey, let's do a podcast.
1: That's right, man. That's right. Hey, maybe because I do one on my own, even though I'm not as consistent as you and, and some of the other podcasts, maybe that's why I, I know that. And maybe that's why it's easier for me to, to do that. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I also could feel weird a little bit by – doing it too much to you guys. Hey, have me on your show. Have me on your show. You know, like, what did I do? I finished fourth, not not third or second or first. But um, I know we're talking about other topics than the uh, Bass Nation Kayak Series Championship. But anyway, I'm pumped to be here, man, and I uh, look forward to a good time. And let's just, we'll just go wherever you want it to go, man.
0: Okay, well, let's start, because usually this would be something I would finish with, just because I know that we're going to talk about a variety of things. I just want to go ahead and, like, get this out of the way, because, dude, you've been in the sport for a while. I don't know if we, if we can start calling people pioneers or whatever, but you've done a lot with it. You you know you've done the YouTube thing. You've created you know content. You've you've you've, you've made it like your life passion, and you just almost a job uh, at the same time. Uh, you know from where the sport is now to now walking on the stage. Like, what do you think about all that? Like, you know what, what how the sports evolved. Um, and you know, we'll talk about, there's another thing I want to talk to you. This that's kind of got to kind of go in with this, but just right now, like, like they ha- they got a stage. Bassmaster's interested in us, and the sports. It's got more eyeballs than it's ever had. It's like, what do you think about all that right now?
1: Well, I mean, it's something that we, as, as the quote unquote, a lot of the pioneers knew was going to happen um, sooner than, than later. We didn't know exactly when, but we knew these larger entities would get into it at some point. And I'm not surprised to see it happening now. And I won't be surprised if in five years or less, we have a sort of an elite series for kayak fishermen as well, uh, because the influx of uh, social media and how quickly things can move now and information, how quickly a sport can grow now. I just feel like things can happen faster than ever before. So I'm not surprised, um, and I'm excited to see it. And I'm, I mean, one of the reasons I'm mainly excited to see it is because I'm, I'm hoping I'm, I'm still you know young enough to where I can be a part of that whenever there is an elite series one day. Um, not that the ones we have aren't elite, but you guys know what I mean. Like a Bassmaster Elite Series, like these are all pros. Everybody's doing it full time. You know, big entry fees. If I mean, it'd be great if there was no entry fees, but even the bass boat world still hasn't gotten past that hurdle like uh, like golf and other sports have. But, I mean, it, it, it's going to happen, and I'm just excited because, you know, hopefully I'll still be young enough to participate in it for at a highly competitive level like I am now. But who knows, who knows how many more years I have in that because as this is an athletic sport, um, you know, kayak fishing even more so than the bass boat world, you know, you'll hit your peak, uh, and the bass boat guys are in their peaks and they're, you know, Late 20s all the way to their mid forties, you know what I mean? Late 40s, even. So there's still a wide window of of time. So let's get it going quick, guys. That's that's what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> that's hustle. That's hustle. All right. Then the next part of that, um, uh, expectations of like what the sport can become. Because like one thing that I agree with you that you've talked about, you know, this is a spectator sport, and, and that for some reason those are the kind of sports that I've always uh, participated in. You know, you got the big American sports like basketball, football, baseball, and they're just on another level. But, you know, sports like fishing, golf, you know, I did do jitsu for a long time. And believe it or not, yeah, that's, 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 that's that's very competitive. But no one really cares about it except for the people that do it. Now, yeah. now Bass Match is a little different because, you know, everyone kind of fishes and so everyone can kind of get it. But I think with like kayak fishing, if you don't have a kayak and you're not someone who actively participates in the sport, you could really care less about. What's going on in the kayak fishing community? Um, yeah, and so like you know, like you know, as time goes and you know, we're we're you know, companies are looking where to put their money in and and, and build the, the the competitive part. I don't know if how long that's gonna be and like how how big of an investment people are really going to want to make in that. So like, I was wondering like kind of the expectations you can have with the sport because right now I'm having a blast with it. You know, I know people want to get bigger and I hope it And for their sake, I hope it does. But at oh, the same God. time, I'm like, I'm having a great time doing this shit. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean? so, it doesn't really matter to me if, if it gets huge or if it, or if it stays the way it is. Like, I just know there's people who love it and they're traveling across the country and we're getting together. We're drinking beers. We're having a great time. And that's, that, that, that's, the, that's why I like it so much. But you know, someone who, like you who's, who's seen this thing grow and, and watch like, you know, the elite levels, you know, they're in the, they're in the, they're in the horizon. But what do you think like the expectations that we can really have with like, I mean, this isn't like a, do you see like, it's not like a million, a millionaire sport, you know, like someone's going to make their, uh, their life savings or whatever. and put their kids through college uh, through, you know, kayak bass fishing. Like what are, what are your thoughts on that? Like the expectations of it?
1: Well, that is all tied to how, how quickly we can get the kayak side to be seen as, equals to the bass boat side, honestly, because there are guys in the bass boat world, plenty of them with bait deals, you know, royalties and designs for rod designs, signature rods and things like that, that, yeah, they may only make a hundred or, or 150 or $200,000 or, or some of them 50 or $75,000, but if they have the right deals and the right sponsors, then they are, a lot of them can be making 250 to over a million dollars a year. All right, now like the bass boat guys now are already doing that. So, the, really, it all depends in kayak fishing how quickly we get to their level. Which means, you know, there's a few barriers. Like you said, the sport of fishing is not really a sport that anyone just flips on the channel, and just switches to, and just watches because it's 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 a very long sport. It's four days. You know, these bass and Master Elite Series ours are shorter, obviously, but it's still, it's a full day. It's boring if you don't do the sport because you don't know what's going on. You don't know the feeling of your heart pounding in your chest when you, when you have like a 12 or 17 or 22 inch fish on in a tournament, unless you do it. It's like, it's like I've say this on uh, my podcast and others like, you know, bass fishing is, it's an obsession. It's, it's the same thing they say about golf. You know, it's not a, a sport. It's an obsession. It's not a hobby. It's an obsession. So, and it's true. It is. And the reason why golf and fishing actually have so many similar similarities is because they are an actual obsession because there's so many intricacies of uh, between weather, just like golf, you know, weather and, you know, the, the wind and the rain and, and the, the grass types and the conditions. We have muddy water, cold water, you know, current, current water with current, different vegetations. There, there's so many intricacies. It's why when somebody gets in and it finally clicks in their brain, this cool puzzle they have to figure out all over the country and all these different bodies of water, it then becomes an obsession because it's not the same every time It's not even the same on the same body of water every time, but depending on the time of year and water clarity, like I said, and all that stuff. So it it becomes an obsession. And only the people who do that and are obsessed will actually watch that many hours of live streaming coverage. So that's always going to be a barrier that bass fishing will never be able to break. But one barrier they can break with kayak fishing that they don't, they're not taking quite as much advantage of as they should is the fact that we, kayak anglers are the soccer the lowest cost of entry sport possible right we're we're, you can't get cheaper than a a kayak when you're talking about a boat now you could go stand on the bank and fish sure maybe one day someone will create a tournament trail for bank bank anglers i don't know but there's not as much you know like there's you need some boats and some manufacturers obviously the more products you have in a sport that the more support you can get so we are the soccer and i'm and i mean that by saying soccer is obviously the biggest sport in the world it's and it's that because it, you just need a soccer ball to play it in some land and therefore everybody around the world plays it and the more eyeballs that you have playing it the more people you have doing it the more people to understand it the more viewerships you're going to have right and so the more focus therefore your sport's going to be bigger so we are the soccer we are the chance that bass fishing has to grow excuse me they cannot grow um via the bass boat world much more. They can't because if golf needs a new golf courses, if the sport grows, they build new golf courses. They just go and, you know, somebody buys some land, they build some new ones. Hey, the sports growing fishing. We're not building new lakes anymore. It's not happening. And then you got the weird dynamic with, because we need money as well, that there's only so many lakes that are close enough to tourism departments and are big enough. And I mean, there's like 40 or 50 lakes that are big enough to hold these big, big bass boat tournaments. But kayak anglers don't need that much. We need like an eight thousand acre lake, and including the rivers and creeks that flow into it. We don't need a 30,000 acre lake. So, like, which is what those guys really look for for these big hundred plus, you know, boat events. That's how the sport's going to grow. It's through the kayak side. The second they realize that. And that there's already more people fishing out of kayaks today than in bass boats. And it's not a competition with the bass boats. If you guys look at my articles I've been writing for Bassmaster.com, you'll see I really am hitting this home with these first articles hard. It's like we're not in competition. We're just like a perfect counterpart. It's a one-two punch. It's, it's a, an example I use is there's more economy in the sport of volleyball because there's two types, indoor and beach. Okay, you got different balls you sell. You got different nets. You got lines. You got a swimwear line now that, that people wear when they go play outside, you know, outdoor volleyball, the sport wouldn't be as big without both, right? The total economy. Therefore we're that one, two punch. We're that perfect counterpart to bass boats. And the moment they realize that we, we get a little bit more, uh, you know, attention. And um, because I don't know, you go listen to all the, the podcasts right now, recapping the Bassmaster classic. And I get it. They're, they're covering that. That's what they're supposed to do. But, I mean, somewhere at some point, someone should be mentioning that Mark Pintergraf caught nearly sixty pounds of bass in two days, and so did Joe, who was a half inch behind him in two days. Um, and that's out—that's insane. And so, it really, it's to me, its uh, you know, I just want to see us get a little bit more respect. And one day, back to circle around the original question: Yes, when all that builds, because we are the soccer of the sport, and once they realize that because they are getting tired of the, their lakes being overcrowded anyway. So, uh, you know, and they'll see there's going to be crossover. You know, guys are going to go from kayak to boat and vice versa, and that's okay as long as you're capturing them in your sport. Bass Angler Sportsman Society, not Bass Boat Angler Sportsman Society, right? As long as they see that and realize that's that's a lot of value, then it's going to trickle back to the anglers, and anglers will be making uh, – I, I bet you people will be making over, you know, you know, in the in the hundreds of hundred thousand dollars plus in, in five to ten years in the sport. It will happen. I'm telling you, it'll happen sooner than we think. But not a lot of them, you know what I mean? Um right. but it'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean, unlike you, hurry up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> up. But because once the respect gets there and the media attention, and the coverage gets there, then guess what? When you win one of those tournaments, your name means more. Therefore, you can go to those companies and your a signature series lure. Like I've got some signature series stuff I've done, and I know a few kayak anglers have as well, but it's not as going to be as big of a deal until we're more mainstream. And then you see a signature series bait from a, a kayak angler in a, an academy or a Bass Pro. Right. You know you can you can you can make those those royalties, which are very small, but they add up when they're in such volume like that, and it can help somebody. You know, add an extra, you know, twenty thousand dollars to their year, or something, you know, or fifteen or whatever. Who knows? Fifty, if somebody just designs something and makes a really good deal and wins some big tournament ten years from now, five years from now, that uh, you know, that really moves the needle. So,
0: right. Well, now, what do you think about? You know, sometimes I was thinking about like, uh, you know, because we're so we're so young, and yeah, we don't uh, the way we view ourselves probably is, is kind of like a little bit immature. You know, like when you look at a Bassmaster guy, he kind of knows his worth. And he asks for forty worth, and the next thing you know, Toyota's paying him, or, or whoever is paying him. We look at like kayak people, like like why aren't you know kayakers getting sponsored by like a trailer company? You know what I mean? Like you know like people aren't making like these badass trailers for kayaks that that, that do everything, whatever, that, and, and they're actually paying people cash money. I, I just don't see a lot of that. Where like I see a lot of kind of like small pro staff deals or maybe small pay deals. Which I mean, I'm not saying that's bad, but if you know at some point. You know, someone like Russ Snyder should get you know a payment. You should be getting paid to drive around with a badass trailer hooked on the back of his truck or something, or something like that. Like, I mean, what, 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 I, mean I just I feel like a lot yeah. of people, we're, we're just not really yeah man. doing the right things as far as like what we will like va- how we value ourselves. I'm not saying I'm asking. I'm talking about like some of these elite guys who who are making just enough to get from tournament to tournament. It's just like you know, like why isn't Cody yeah. getting paid by a van company to ride around in that van, you know, or right. something like that? You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, that's a that's a kind of a complicated question, but I'll I'll dive into every uh, aspect of it. So, because I'm pretty good friends with a lot of guys on the the Elite Series and some Major League Fishing pros, and they've been on my Hooked on Wild Wild Water show with me. Um, so, I, I get a little bit of insight into that. I've been doing this a long time. Like you said, I've had a signature series signature series kayak. I mean, uh, back when I was with Jackson, and uh, now I'm with Crescent and designing one. So, I, I've worked out deals like this, and I've got some stuff I've had in the works with with Z Man for a while, but takes longer than. Than people realize, um, but so anyway, I've kind of gotten into a lot of this here. So first of all, it's it today's day and age, most of these marketing managers look at. It's sad and it shouldn't be this way, but they look at your social media numbers and following, and that's one reason why uh, Christine Fisher does so well because she does she is a great angler, right? She's won big events. She's a top angler in our sport but she also parlays that into her so she, you know great tournament recaps and things like that and uh, and she's just really well spoken. I mean what, what can you say? I mean just to, yeah, you know she, she, she is and that's what they look at. So these some of these top guys in kayak fishing they don't have the recaps they don't have quite the the interaction socially and, and it and it hurts them and, it, and honestly I, it's I don't like that. I don't like that it you know what I mean? But at the same time, um, you know it is they, they need something sometimes sometimes besides just winning these these brands. So Matt Airy is a good example. He's uh, the closest guy to me and the you know friend of mine in the elite series. I've been on his podcast with Brian Thrift a couple times. Um, Let's talk fish. He is not you know he's not one on the elite series. He won two times on FLW. He was not until this past weekend when he got second. I'm not sure a lot of people, Actually, I'm not gonna say who, but I know marketing directors I spoke to at the classic who did not know who Matt Airy was. And and maybe you didn't. I don't know. Who I don't know who who does and who doesn't. But he's a he's been like, you know, very good on the elite series, top ten in AOI, like kind of around that tenth last couple of years. Uh this year he was like I think he's fortieth now, so he's right on the, the classic bubble, which is the top forty in the the elite series out of a hundred, right? So he's on the bubble, not having the, as good of a year as last year. But you get the point. He's just kind of like a good angler, not like one of the guys that everyone would would you know be the odds on favorite to win every tournament, like Apolonic or, or you know Jason Christie or, or whoever. But he does really well with his sponsors because he's like, hey, yes, I'm on the elite series, but it's not just I can't just be a good angler to get. And Brian Thrift is this way, and and he just he's an amazing angler, but he doesn't like go and he gets a lot of his stuff because he is so good. I mean, he's just so good, but he doesn't like go and like really pursue it as hard as he probably could honestly. Um, And, uh, but anyway, Matt's Matt does. And he goes out there and he does a podcast with thrift and he kind of, he's got other deals. He's working, you know, with Lunker text, which, uh, you know, he, I believe he helped even start with his, uh, our buddy, Jeff Walsh. If you guys have ever seen that Lunker video, it was really funny. You should go watch that commercial. We all did, um for bunker text, but he's parlayed it into other things. He wor- he's working with Titan Tungsten. You guys know Titan Tungsten. Um, you know, I use their stuff. Mike Elsie's sponsored by them. So Aries got some some stake in that. What you gotta do is find other ways like that. And he's giving these these brands other things than just I'm on the Elite Series, I'm doing good. So we've got to get a little bit better about doing some more stuff, but it's it's just hard because at our level, we have to have another job too. You know what I mean? So those guys are probably they're doing other jobs too, uh, to, at least somewhat on the side, and that's that's just what's making it challenging. So anyway, we'll, we'll get there. And these companies, um, as our sport grows, it's just all like a. I think once Bass gets an A O I thing and gets more of a two day events and gets a little bit, and they're getting there. Like they're letting me write articles for the kayak side and they're doing kayak coverage. They have kayak sponsors. They're definitely in it unfortunately and this isn't a uh, any slight to you know kbf or hobie but their their name in the fishing world when you say when i say i'm the hobie angler of the year which i of course use to, to try to get uh, you know new sponsorship or to you know whatever just sort of encourage my sponsors to pay hey, bump me up a little bit you know i did this for us whatever i mean you know um Oh, gosh, man, I just lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Oh, oh, those names, the Hobie and the KBF names to the overall fishing industry, the marketing directors, they may or may not have even really heard about them or know what they are. I hope they have. I really hope to God they have, but the facts are, they just probably, a lot of them still haven't. That's unfortunate because they've pioneered this. You know, they've helped us get to where we are and they deserve so much credit. And I love fishing those trails, but the name bass, when you say I'm the BASS angler of the right. year on the kayak side, it holds more weight. You know what I mean? So it's it's going to – so once once we kind of get this further – everything further along, we're going to see more of that stuff. It We will. We will. It, it just takes a little time. And uh, right. those guys are good guys. You know, Cody, like you said, and – Guillermo and the the Russes and Jody Queens and everyone and because so Jody's a good example, he's trying to do more on social media, yeah, because he realizes you can't just go win tournaments and expect the phone just to start ringing because it doesn't. I'm telling you, it doesn't even happen for Brian Thrift. Uh, he you know he wants it to, but you know Matt, I know because I know the inside like dynamic a little bit, but but Matt's just like, no, nah, man, you, you just you got to still you know be assertive and try to go get that stuff, but at the same time. I don't I don't think Thrift cares. He just <laughs> he just wants to focus on fishing and winning and he gets a lot of you know so much money from winning and doing well that uh you know but he's got so much st- he's got enough sponsors, enough going on, dude. He's making he's doing rods with Fitzgerald, he's doing stuff, he's got stuff with Z Man, uh, the new big bladed chatterbait coming out. Probably doesn't need any more, but he could definitely he could he could probably get more if he uh if he tried a little bit more. But you know, he's got a family, he's got other stuff going on, so you gotta cut the line somewhere.
0: Right, right. All right. So now we'll move on. We'll talk about we got we got to talk about Possum Kingdom. Then we got to talk about uh, Lake Champlain because there's the we got we got the past and we got the future. Yeah. So we got we got to cover that shit. So yeah. uh, Possum Kingdom, man. Um, you know a lot of people were worried about it because uh, you know Texas has just been like uh, a weird year. You know, winter storms, crazy power outages, uh, sh- bombing, shoot, whatever. Like te- Texas has just been a crazy place to be right now. But uh, a lot a lot of people were uh, a little worried about this event uh but they changed of people, the lake remember yeah. they changed the lake even it i mean the we, lake i mean it was, it was madness and uh but it's seemed, it worked out perfect uh, I, I hadn't heard anything bad about the event and uh some of, uh, you know as far as like you know, kayak games they showed out like i mean these guys like like you said like the 60 pounds that uh you know Pendergraft put up uh, i mean it was just a, it was a yeah. amazing signature event or whatever you know as far as like you know our our way into like the bass master world or whatever I don't know if it could have gone any better.
1: No, man, not, I don't think so either. Um, you can share my screen if you want there. I, I got the link to weight calculator So you can actually see the weight that Pendergraft put up and Joe McElroy, uh, McElroy Mc, McElroy. I don't know how to say it, but um, yeah, so that's the, it, and again, apologies to Brad case, but somebody sent me this file uh, on my podcast and uh, I can't, Every other cell is protected. I can't drag this around, so I just put in my total. I was fourth. Brad was third. I put in my totals just to see what I had compared to Joe and Mark. And uh, it, and anyway, mind you, I was you know second place after day one, and those guys just went and took it. You know what I mean? Like I didn't. I feel like I did really well in day two because my total ninety one and three quarter inches would have had me in sixth or seventh place after day one. So. I did a second place day and I did a sixth place day, basically sixth, seventh place. I'm thinking I got to be in first or second. Still, those guys went and just took this thing in an unbelievable way. Like I've never seen, man, because look at what he's got here. Mark on the first day had an approximate weight of 21.27, second day, 34.69. We're looking at, you know, uh, 55, 56 pounds. But as most of us were there catching the fish, we know they were heavier. They were gorged up. They were fat. His fists were fat. So I would push I would say he's pushing sixty. Um, honestly. But uh cause this is just a, an average length to weight calculator here. This is for a largemouth bass. This isn't you need to take away some if they're extra skinny and you can add some if they're pre-spawn. Right. I I personally feel like they were a little bit uh heavier, but uh at this particular tournament. But anyway, you can see, man, look at that. It's insane. Look what those guys caught. I mean, Joe was right there behind him, you know, at, you know, fifty five pounds, so a little
0: bit over fifty five. So God, look how good look how good uh, well, it did right on under. day two. 24, 23, and three quarters, 22 and three quarters, twenty. Yeah. I, like, I mean, where else in the country does that happen at? I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I've been following these tournaments for a few years now. Um Not, the, yeah, Lake Fork, uh, maybe
1: you could see something like that on Santa Cooper at the right time of year. Not many places down in Florida. I mean, you can maybe get into something like that. You know, a few few places down there, but that's insane. I, it really, that's why I don't feel like one bit. I'm like, dude, those guys just won it. I mean, yeah, give give them all the props they need because that's that's unbelievable. They just went out and took it. Because at the beginning of the tournament, here's what's crazy, guys. At this tournament, if you follow our sport, uh, Hobie Bass Open Series had a Sam Rayburn right the the week weekend before this tournament. This was a weekday tournament, Wednesday and Thursday, and uh, Hobie's event was on the previous Saturday Sunday on Sam Rayburn, which is known to be. One of the best lakes in all of Texas. It was one with, I believe, 182 in, in something. And this term, it was one with, I believe, 209. Jeez. So 182. I mean, everyone I pulled at the, the pre tournament meeting, dude, they were just like, oh, it's going to be one somewhere between 180 and 190. And I thought, based on my pre fishing, I was like, yeah, probably like 185, 190. And I hit 191 and in, in three quarters in, in that second day. And I said, man, I. I got, I think I might have a shot. And then when I come in, I was just like, wow, they really yeah. caught, caught that. Like that's insane. So it just, it's, it's a great lake. It, it showed out. And honestly, the, the flooding that happened to us, which by the way, if you were following along or if you weren't, you, you know, it flooded like no one's ever seen on this lake. This lake usually is clear from, you know, a, a third of the way where the river comes in, it's clear all the way down to the dam and I'm talking like by the dam 20 and 30 foot visibility, but it flooded so much. The mud moved all the way around that lake And, uh, you didn't, you had basically only, you know, a few little portions of the lake were even in pockets where, where the mud didn't get back into these certain coves were fishable or the whole lake. So you had everybody piled up on top of each other, which which I thought, man, that second day when I had 91 and three quarters, knowing that got sixth place the day before I thought, man, I hope everyone, you know, was on top of each other down there, cannibalizing all their fish. (laughs) And I, and I, and I hopefully ended up in first because I thought that was likely to happen. Because people were launching, you know, 40 and 50 kayaks were right out of certain ramps. And I was all alone in the in the mud, dirt dauber, just in the mud, you know, yeah. catching my fish, didn't see anybody. So, but it was insane how the guys, I think the mud helped because uh, think about it, that lake never, as giant fish, but it, but rarely, rarely does it ever see mud that far down. So fish that are usually living in clear water were able to, first of all, concentrated them because they're pulling water in the current. That's going to like stack them up, up on these semi offshore spots and shallow spots. It's, they're going to sort of pull up together. Uh, I think they, and they hold a little tighter to cover. I think they do it for, for safety. I think there's a few reasons why they do it, but it sort of just concentrates them. it concentrated my fish. And, and so anyway, um, and the water's a little clear down below as well. It's what Matthew Scott's told me. And he, and I know he's right because when I saw some clean water coming in, it was dirty on the surface and I saw clean water coming in like 30 yards, 40 yards ahead of me, I kicked my troll motor on all of a sudden, guess what comes swirling up a bunch of clear water from underneath. So he was right. That mud is more on the surface, uh, which is odd because you would think it's settling as it goes down the lake. It's got such, a, it's just, it floats. Whatever's in that mud there, it, it floats, not sinks. So whatever reason, man, it made those fish easier to catch down at the bottom of the lake That because they just never, they really don't see those sort of murkier water baits and presentations and tactics. Plus they're bunched up. I mean, it was like the perfect storm.
0: Did you, do you think most of them pushed up? Because I, you know, like one of the things that I, I look for when it gets muddy is I know that like bass are going to start relating to cover more. They want to be up against something, I feel like. Um, yeah. so a lot of times you'll catch them up, like whenever I, when the water gets dirty, like I'm going to go shallow, I'm going to look for places where, you know, bass will sit. Um, and that, I don't know. Maybe that's just something I, I learned. Through <laughs> yeah. bass or some weird shit like yeah, that, something <laughs> uh, like that. I mean, like a lake like that. It seemed like everyone, like uh, I was talking to Mark on the show, he caught him shallow. I was watching some of Greg Blanchard's video and the way he was catching them up in the, like the, the like the, the lily or the uh the tail like whatever, like on a, on a nice little piece yeah. of cover. Uh, do you feel like that, that's kind of like what the maybe the uh, that that muddy water did was kind of like push them up shallow because that's where the bait fish are gonna go to start feeding on like the new nutrients and everything. That's yeah, going on. and then the bass, for some reason, I just feel like when they can't see, they always relate to cover a lot harder
1: yeah i think so man i think so here's here's what i feel happens um when whenever it floods now it wasn't flooded like it was down in sam Rayburn. it wasn't flooded like the bassmaster classic guys it was because they were moving that water through and and the water was up uh, about full pool on the lake and maybe during pre-fishing a little bit it was up i don't know maybe like six inches above full pool it wasn't much but it was it was up you know where it's not going to be flooded in the bushes, but either way, the, the bait, and I'm not saying shad necessarily. I'm talking like the minnows, insects. You do, when you have flooded situations, um, like if it rains real hard, I mean, what happens? You got worms coming up out of the ground in your yard, right? So if it floods up in places, it only doesn't get, it starts to get into some new nutrients. And, and it's all about the food chain, man, your smallest fish and, Uh, and all that, that sort of move up there to eat the new, uh, you know, nutrients and the new vegetation and things like that. Um, And then the the little insects and and bugs and and even worms, like I said, uh, that come off from that runoff when they come out of the ground, it's, it's raining hard. They might come in from the runoff, just new fresh stuff is coming in. So they all want to move shallow to to be the early bird gets the worm, right? They want to be as shallow as possible to get it. I'm talking about the bait and the, you know, the brim and stuff like that. They all want to get up there. And uh, anyway, I feel like that moves the bass. Just kind of follow them up there. Uh, plus, they can uh, they can hide and ambush. I feel like bat, largemouth prefer to feed in murky water. I mean, smallmouth are a little bit different. They're a little bit, little bit more sight feeders. Yeah. Uh, but I think largemouth. I feel like they they're lazier, so they f- prefer to, to feed in murkier water because they can just sit there and wait for something to come by. They don't see them. They can hide in the murky water. Plus, right. like up up against something, they're super hidden then. Uh, but in open water, they, they don't really want to chase big schools of shad, but I mean, obviously they, they do it out of necessity, but so, yeah, I think that's kind of what happens, man. And because here's the deal, the shad and all the fish out in the middle of the lake, they know they're always going to be there. That, that food source for them is never going anywhere. Why go and like burn that? You know what I mean? Kind of like we hold, we save fish for day two and day three, right? We don't, we don't want to burn our spot down on day one. They're not going to want to burn down <laughs> their shad and like just wear it out when they're like, Hey, we got a new food source. We can go hit this right now because it's a rare situation; It doesn't happen, right. but they know it happens occasionally. That shallow water, there's a there's a feeding opportunity that happens there, that they can go do, and then it clears back up, and they go back to their, uh, eventually get offshore for the summer and, and hit that open water, and other other food sources, and then the whole cycle you know returns. It gets pretty low in the fall and they continue that then they they move up the creeks with the shad and then it gets high again in the the winter spring and they're like okay now now we can go munch on all of the crawfish and all the things that were so shallow that didn't have enough water for us to get back there and those you know all those animals and bait have had time to get bigger and grow to become more you know right. nutritious nutritious so it's kind of like cool then they're like they munch on that shallow stuff during the spawn pre-spawn and spawn and post-spawn and in situations like this, and then boom, it's like back out again to the open water stuff. And anyway, it's, it's kind of a cool cycle. We see it in rivers all the time and in, in the shoals, they like to be in the spring and, and they spawn, but they can't sustain a bunch of fish when the water gets low in the, in the summer and fall. It's like, it's so shallow. You could barely, you know, have, have hold anything, but the crawfish and the little bait fish in the brim are right. just living the dream that time of year. Cause nothing's eating on them and they just get big and healthy. And then boom, next thing you know, January, February. Uh, March comes around in April and May, and the water gets high, and then it's like now we're back in those shoals feeding on that that we've missed for the last six months. So, yeah,
0: it's such a timing thing, right? Like, I mean, it's yeah. just like, like next week, possum keener would have been completely different, you know what I mean? Or, or you know, yeah, it's just like it's that the, the muddy water probably it plays such a huge effect, but it's not, I mean, I don't know, it's just like, like fresh tournaments, it's like you pre fish, and, and all these things are so important because it's like, you got to figure out the timing, right? Because like these fish aren't always where they're. They're going to be, yeah. you know, they'll be here. Like you think they're supposed to be here because you got a weather check, you know, a temperature check and this, well, this, is what they're supposed to be. But there's a, there's a window for everything and like dirty, whether it's dirty water or a moon phase or, or whatever. Yeah. Like, you, you got to be able to capitalize on that time.
1: There is man. And I, in my situation where I found my fish, it it was in some moving water. They were relating to current, they were holding there, but the water was so high. There was a pretty large quantity of them there and they were not there pre-fishing, even though the water was high on, on, uh, uh, let's see, I want to say to two days of pre fishing, we had high muddy water, it was flooded, and there, there really wasn't much point in even hardly being out on the lake. But, um, the one day we had that was still good for pre fishing, I was able to, to fish this area where I found my fish, they weren't there, I didn't catch one there. They only moved there when the high water came in. And then they were loaded there. And then on the second day of the, and I only found them on the middle of the first day of the tournament. And then it was just like, bam, bam, bam. They were sitting there, literally feeding with their mouths open, like, like that. Just when I throw a bait in there, it, it, instantly I hit, you know, engage the reel. I always do it right before the the bait hits the water, or instantly when it hits the water. I want my moving baits moving right off the bat. They would be on. There there would be no chatter in my in my chatterbait blade. They were on, instantly. There were so many of them. They were so aggressive. And they were only there. That day, and then the next day, when I when I showed up at that spot, there were 15 birds, uh, egrets all around. Shad were flipping out, and I was like, "Oh gosh!" I was like getting nervous. I was like, "It's it's about to happen." Like now, I caught them, you know, pretty much just as good, just not as not as many big ones, but um, obviously some good ones still. I had you know 91 and three quarters, but no giants. But anyway, it, it I believe I let that spot rest, and I came back to it uh, later in the day, and then I let it rest. I mean, like three hours one time, my last shot, I went back there the last 30 minutes and nothing. I I mean, obviously I burned it down, but I got a feeling that the water that was getting back closer to what it was on Sunday, the first day of pre-fishing when I, when I just told you, I didn't catch one there. So I feel like the next day you could have gone back. I don't think they would have been there that day. The water would have been back down to that level. I think they would have been gone. So the window for me just happened to work out perfect. It was two days with the water being up like that, that they just kind of loaded in this one little spot. And it, and it position them, and then they sort of dispersed again. Um, so, yeah, timing for sure. And you got to fish the moment. We say it all the time, but you just yeah. have to, you know, fish the moment.
0: Well, let me ask you this like, I had uh, Mark on the show just randomly the other night. And, uh, you know, like we, we do these tournaments, you know, we do our map reading, we look at all, like we, we decide what ramp we're going to be at, right? And then we look at all this water miles away, these big movements, big trips. And then you know, we get there, we start pre fishing yeah. and all these things. And all Mark did was watch everyone leave. Yeah, <laughs> turn around, start fishing the ramp, and then catches, you know, whatever inches that he caught on day two. I mean, it's just uh, holy shit. Yeah, you know? I
1: know, man. I know. And th- you know, I actually had a, a chance to talk to Mark for a while. We had we had a long walk to uh, where they wanted us to be to enter the Dickies Arena from you know the whatever the backstage area, right? So he and I had a long walk from the Expo and. And, uh, you know, he's a funny guy, man. He really is. He's, he's a good guy and a funny guy. And I I, I got to go back and listen to this podcast with him and you, because I can tell, you know, you and him together on a podcast talking about this <laughs> is, is unfiltered as he is. He was more, he was most concerned. He wasn't nervous. He was most concerned. He said, because he doesn't have a filter. Yeah. So I'd say that was his biggest concern. <laughs> so uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, he it was just a real interesting how he was able to, to figure that out. And, and I always say this to people. I say, look, Every tournament, if you go back and look at how they're won, you know, I follow all the, the bass boat stuff. I follow the kayak stuff. Almost every single tournament is won by something that's truly unique and different and special that nobody else is doing. And, yeah, maybe it's won barely sometimes with that, and everybody else's, whoever else falls in line, they were just the best of what the main pattern actually was on that lake that everybody was doing, and they executed the best for a second or third place. But somebody always finds something that's unique and different, and this one certainly is no different. He, he and you both kind of found something unique. But um, yeah, I mean that's insane to just catch the fish right off the ramp. Where everyone, where everyone was that's that's that qualifies under my theory of something that's just Dude, unique, special,
0: people, different. People traveled thousands of miles. They paid thousands of dollars to do this event. Yeah, to, and at a boat ramp. You know what I mean? It's like. I mean I don't know, I just I, to me it was just like I, I kind of laughed a little bit when he, when when we were really talking about it because just like I mean I wish it was just that easy. I wish I just thought I it was that easy where I just I'm just going to fish around this boat ranch and uh, you know yeah. become, become the first bass master champion.
1: <laughs> I know man it's crazy. Um if you listen to Brian Thrift uh, this is something that he says on podcasts occasionally whenever you've listened to him talk. He says he never pre-fishes um uh, the bank. Because he's an offshore guy, he wants to catch them offshore he knows what sort of schools live offshore. And the reason why he never fishes the bank is because he's just like, I know I can go down to the bank and catch fish. That's easy. Anybody knows anybody can do that once you're at a certain level, because yeah. he's, and his point is really just this. and It goes along with what we're saying here. He's just looking for something magical, special out there that nobody else, you know, takes the time to find because, you know, the average Joe doesn't sit there and graph like these pros do for four or five hours of their practice time. No one's just driving around the lake graphing. We don't, Kike anglers I, so a few do but not many just graph nonstop. that's all they do that's that's not how it works but um that's what he's doing he's looking for the same thing i'm looking for but I, I look for it shallow you know just wild unpressured fish and in those offshore schools there's hundreds so i mean the point is you just it's just something different something magical yeah. and this this time it was shallow but you know he, he just happened to you know to find it, man, it was pretty cool. Now he's local. Did he say in your podcast he's local? Did he say that he's caught fish there before, or how did he?
0: I, I don't think Possum Kingdom is one of his. His main. I don't think so, but I. I yeah. I mean, it, it was such a long conversation. Um, it, it was a weird conversation because I wasn't expecting to talk to him. I had a guest, that kind of bailed on me, right? And so, you know, I reached out to him. He's like, yeah, uh, but you know, I got to do this other podcast. I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll make the show different as much as I can. And you know, of course, I'm drinking beers waiting to get done. And so by the time he gets on, it's like 10 o'clock my time, and I'm like, <laughs> the conversation. I mean, like, I think it was a good pie. Pod- I'm, I'm afraid to listen to it, but I'm pretty <sighs> sure it was a good episode.
1: <laughs> dude, it was like an Ike live. I'm sure yeah. it's like the last hour of an Ike live, probably.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Just- but yeah I don't- I mean, it, it, it just—it was, was good. talking to because like I like and like I think you're the same way. I like hearing simple stuff when it comes to fishing, uh, like like making this thing as simple as possible. Because I feel like especially in our genre, like we make things so complicated. We got 15, yeah. 16 rods. We got two screens for our fish finders. We got motors. We got uh. That's I mean, right. just 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 right. Re- we're ready for battle. Like I mean, if, if this was like I mean, just you got your battleship and you're ready to go out there and and do work. But you know, I, I listen to guys like you. I listen to guys like. You know, Ryan Lambert and then Mark and then Adam Riser, right? and like sometimes these guys only take two yeah, rods, or sometimes these guys only take a fish finder, you know. And some of these guys, like you, like one of the things, like years ago when I started listening to you, was like, I think at one point you were only throwing a chatterbait and maybe a wacky rear, I can't remember, but it was like a very simple approach to fishing, um, that you were doing. And like, I was just like, t- t- I mean, well, that's God, the goal, we yeah. We complicate goal, things so yeah. much, we, you, you know, know, that like because I don't know if it's because we're new. And we get caught up into like the hype of everything. Cause we watch all these videos and all these videos are like this, this, that, and that, and that, and that. And then it's just like, then you listen to someone who won a tournament of champions or someone who's placing consistency with you. And it's like, oh, maybe I should start listening to these guys a little more. Yeah. Uh, and figure out like what they're doing instead of just burning through <laughs> burning through my wife's savings account. Cause I already, right, already got through mine. So
1: <laughs> the goal, yeah, yeah. So my goal is to always end up uh, during pre-fishing to fig figuring something out where I can only bring you Know a few rods, that's just my style. I'd rather be taking my little Crescent Ultralight, little uh, you know, 49 pound kayak and fishing out of that over anything else, honestly. And uh, uh, well, until my new kayak comes out, you know, which is probably a couple, couple months away, but anyway, um, you know, I love that little boat and the new CK1 Venture, and I, I like to just throw and go those when I can. I fished out of the solo skiff in this one, but my goal for every tournament is I, I'll tell you something, this little juice here, a little, little secret um and i may have mentioned i mentioned this on my podcast or may have but i don't look at a tournament i don't go into a tournament the same way the rest of i think the whole fishing planet does i go into a tournament this is and it may be dumb but i, I don't think it is cuz i think i've got the the stats to to back it up you know what i mean but i go into every tournament and uh i say to myself i'm going to catch them on a chatterbait or a spinnerbait or a buzzbait and here and then i'm like i i look for the water that those lures excel at. And maybe that means I've only got 10 or 15% of this lake uh, rivers, creeks that, that I have to now go scout because I know these tactics may not work at that time of year in these other areas, but I don't care. Cause I want to catch them on the, on those baits because I know they catch big fish. I know that when you hook them, you can, you can use 30 pound braid. You can boat flip them in. You don't yeah. lose many. Um, that's just sort of my, thought processes i just want to go in there and i sort of i it's just opposite i don't go in there and say how what are these fish eating in this lake how am i going to catch them what's what are they doing here i it's so weird i go in there saying somewhere they're eating these baits somewhere the, the, there's going to be the right uh stain the right current the right wind whatever you want to s- call it somewhere on this lake based on the you know where the wind blows or the, the river comes in a hundred percent every time of year you know maybe not you know, January, fe- you know, February, but somewhere there's fish that are going to eat those baits. I like the fish. So that's just the opposite. I, I go in there already saying like, I'm going to force this to work and yeah. I go and find that area that it works at. And I just then have to just hope that that's also, you know, happens to be like some of the bigger fish in the- and, and I just, you know, whatever, but it's a weird way to look at it. You know what I mean? But, I, but I, I, w-
0: I don't know. I kind of agree. Like, Cause this year I kind of started doing that. Like I'm like, all right, you're gonna fish the chatterbait and whatever, like whatever. Like I got like I take out six, seven rods for, for, for my purposes, and I, I started having a really good season. I started placing really well, cashing checks, and then this last tournament because I didn't get much time to pre fish. You know, I did the worst thing. I brought my cranking rod with me, and I, I, love, I know mm-hmm. people love the crank fish, but like I've been fishing dirty grass, uh, chatterbait, whatever. Just you know, and that's what I've been doing. I've been finding my success, and so this right. tournament started going wrong. You know, I caught my two fish. And then, um, you know, nothing. And so I started freaking out. So like, oh, I'm gonna go crank out here for a while. You know what I mean? And I, I, it, it was, it was just, I gave myself way too many options. So when I went out there, I wasted time doing that. Yeah. And then, I, and then I'm like, shit. And then so I come at the last hour, ended up catching two more fish. And I'm like, well, dude, what if you would have sat here, fished the way you said you were gonna fish? Uh, you know, for, you know, for for as long as you were gonna fish this, and then imagine what you could have done. But instead, you went out and did something you weren't comfortable with because you were freaking out because you had an option. Right. I mean, you, you left yourself an option, you went out there, you wasted time, um, doing something that you're just that you just weren't planning on doing, something you didn't pre fish for. You didn't, I didn't even know if I was throwing, you know what I mean? I had no idea, I was fishing blind with a lure, I'm not confident in because I, yep. I, I gave myself that option. And sometimes I, I like, I like, you know, like what I've been doing, like, all right, you're taking four rods because how you've been catching them, and if it doesn't work, you weren't going to win, anyways. But if it did work. You know, this is this is where you're comfortable at, and so I don't know. That's kind of my approach this year. I don't know if it's right, like you. It's just I think everyone's got to find their own little thing, whether it's a mantra or you know whatever you do in the morning to make you feel better about the day or or more comfortable going into a tournament. But that's 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 kind of where I've been, kind of similar to you.
1: Yeah, man, for sure. I mean, and I actually have never, um, you know, I'm still trying to think. Most every tournament I've I've ever fished, I still have found a way to make those that style what I do work. And I keep telling myself the day I go into a tournament and I pre-fish and I, and I'm down to like the final day or the final half day. And this, I just can't force feed them this stuff. I can't find an area of the lake where these techniques will work that I am super confident in. Then I'll, I'll switch to something else, dude. It's never happened. Yeah. P- I mean, people will laugh at me and this is like, it's almost like, I don't know, blasphemous to admit, cause it's such a good bait. But I, you know, you said wacky rig earlier. I've never thrown a wacky rig. Okay. Never. I, what you may have thought was I used to throw uh, a follow up Z Man Streaks on a. It was
0: during the time when you they, won second at the uh, national yeah. championships. I know there's a lot of wacky rigs being thrown, so. Uh,
1: it's probably where I got. I was I was following up missed strikes with a uh, basically like a, a soft plastic jerk bait. It's called okay. the Z Man Streaks. So yeah, if I ever missed them, I could I could use that to kind of follow up with them. But anyway, I've actually never thrown a wacky rig. And I'm just like, that's crazy, right? Because it catches fish so well and you can skip it so well. But like, I keep catching all other stuff so, so good. Like, why do I even, I told myself the one day that I get beat on a wacky rig or that's a thing or I just can't catch them, maybe I'll try it. And it just continues to never happen because I can continue to catch fish the way I'm catching them now. And I don't need to learn a Nico rig. And yeah. You know, I, I've dropped shot a little bit, but hardly ever. And, and now that I live up in Northeast Ohio, I'm, I'm sure that you got to do that up here in these, you know, some of these lakes, but, uh, you know, the is and the St. Clairs and, you know, the Champlains, I'm sure it'll come in handy there on, for some folks. But I mean, I just keep doing what I do, man, until yeah. it proves I, I have a, ever a reason to change. But when it, you keep winning or being, you know, winning and fishing is basically cashing a check. When you keep cashing checks and yeah. winning AOIs is like, well, you know, I, Just don't really, why would I ever switch? You know, it's just going to complicate things, which is exactly your point. And we have, there's too many techniques and tactics. And a lot of times it's all about the money that these companies want to just find a new way to catch fish so that we feel like we have to have that. And the problem is average Joes, which a lot of people in the kayak world, they're they're good anglers, but a lot of us, you know, still have full-time jobs. We don't have the time on the water that pros do. So we can't learn, you know, a split shot rig, a Nico rig, a... A drop shot rig, a Carolina rig, a, you know, every, keep naming all the rigs, and you know, an A rig, a, a shaky head, a Ned rig, dude, how much, you need so much time to, on the water yeah. to be able to understand the line, the, the weight, the bite, the feel, when to do it. When so to do it. Your, your brain is so just blown up by all the marketing we're getting from all these people. But really you just need, forget about the names of the rig. Just here's your rig. I need a deep rig, probably two or three things. Learn a Carolina rig, learn a, a football jig, learn a crankbait. There you go. You got three ways to catch them deep. If they're not, if you find a school fish and they're not biting one of those things, dude, they're probably not biting anything. You know what I mean? Like right. move on, move on to some aggressive fish. So you now you got three things to fish deep. Okay. Now let's, you need some mid-range stuff. Okay. A uh, g- jerkbait, mid-range crankbait, a spinnerbait. Boom. You got, you got your know, swim jig. You got three te- techniques, right? Four that you can fish shallow or mid range. Then you can now top water, you know what I mean? Like a, a frog, stuff like that. And, uh, and then, you know, chatterbait, they can fish shallow or, or deep, you know, boom. I just covered every technique. Everyone ever needs to learn right there. Don't even, yeah. don't try to learn anything else. And and just focus on those instead of being just good or just like, okay, I've, yeah, I've caught a fish on this or I've caught fish on that. And just being like, eh, like everything I'd rather be like freaking the best. The at best. like,
0: yeah,
1: it, it, a few, few things, you know what I mean? Cause then, yeah. You actually, you know, be able to, to know when to use them and to, and to be successful when you do.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I agree 100%. Like, that's, that's been like, and this has been the difference for this year was like just my ability to minimize what I take out there and, and just fishing. Like, like I said, like, like this is how I'm going to fish. This is, yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't tell everyone, <laughs> it's, it's not a secret anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's my chatterbait right here. The one that I use. Yeah. So, and this uh, the stealth blade. And you stealth yeah. blade. I use both of these at this tournament. So. It's a good one. but Anyway, man, we're on the same page. I like how you think about it. Uh kayak fishing is meant to be simple. That's why we got into it. So I try to keep it simple with the rods and reels. But here's what's cool, man. It works the other way too. The complete know, uh, the dollars in electronics and your kayak and all that, you're going to find fish that I'm not I'm not after, man. I'm just although you know, I did team up with a uh, place called the Bass Tank and they they do all electronics and stuff like that installations for bass boats and they sell all the electronics and I do have a, uh, a Garmin live scope now what well, echo map something. I got to go look at what it is exactly, but <laughs> I got to go put it on my solo skiff. But again, it's only there as a tool for me. Again, I do this more, you know, for certainly full time, but it's only, I only have the live scope because I don't want to be left behind. If it can get you an extra fish here or there mm-hmm. or a certain situation, one turn, it might come into play one or two tournaments a year for me. That's it. But, you need to have, like, if you're at the highest level trying to be absolutely the, the best of the best, you you probably do have a little bit more time to, to yeah. finagle with this stuff. And and not that I have a ton of time. I got, you know, toddler and wife and one on the way. And it's, you know, it's kind of, you know, like you, it's busy busy yeah. life, right? But I, I'm going to at least learn this because it seems like it's not too complicated to learn. And if it helps me a couple tournaments a year, that could be the difference in AOI or a championship yeah. um, for sure. So, uh, I mean, look at Hank Cherry. He won the Classic. And the classic was actually won without something magical, I would say, like we just talked about with Mark and just some crazy magical offshore spot. It wasn't. It was actually won by whoever was the best at flipping the flooded bushes. We already talked about the water moving up and what the fish do when it floods. Whoever was the best at flipping flooded bushes and executed basically won, except the only thing Hank Cherry had different, unlike anybody else, he had a one two punch, he had the dam with his jerk bait, and he didn't catch a ton of fish off that dam, but that's the point with me in the life scope. Right. I may not catch a ton of fish on this thing throughout the year, and it may only come into play on some of these northern lakes at St. Clair or Erie or whatever, but when it does, that can mean the difference in winning and losing, and it obviously was the difference for him in the Classic because those few fish he caught off that dam and day two, which was a shortened day because of the lightning and the, the thunderstorms, two-hour delay, when people struggled to get five, he had something else to go to. So that's that's kind of my philosophy on uh, the live scope. I'm excited to see what it can do and, and a lot of guys just that's what they rely on and that's cool because I want people to do different stuff. I want I don't want everyone doing what I like to do. I want yeah, everyone exactly. to be like doing different stuff because you know I mean obviously it all works. We, we saw in this right. last tournament.
0: All right. Last subject and we'll get out of here. Lake Champlain. First time Hoey's coming up this far to the Northeast. I'm excited. You're going to be there. Mike Iaconelli. There's a lot of people going to be there. Right? Yeah, that's potential to be a big thing. We got, we got to convince the rest of the Northeast to quit you know, quit, quit holding off. They need to go ahead and sign up. Uh, yeah, they, they should. They, 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 they've been begging for this and now it's here. And now I, I hear, I hear crickets. Uh, but, uh, dude, I'm excited. Uh, Lake Champlain, I've never fished there. I've fished like similar, you know, like, you know, not as big, but you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a New York Lake, you know, like Lake George and these other, uh, you know, glacier type style bodies of water. Um, uh, but this is a, uh, I'm, I'm excited. Small mouth, large mouth, all good quantity and quality. Yeah, I mean, just. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about this event? Like, I mean, have you been here before? You know, what's your thoughts?
1: Well, I wasn't going to miss this one because I've never been here before. And, uh, you know, as we know in the bass boat world goes there quite often, and it's world-class and every interview you see with any angler, they all say Champlain's like one of their top ones they mentioned. So one of their favorites. So I wasn't going to miss it. because well, like you said, you can do either, or you can do small mouth, you can do large mouth, and it's so big. They can get away from each other. And it just, it's, incredible fishery. So I had to sign up for that one. I, I was probably one of the first people that signed up as soon as I, I kept refreshing all the time. Like, when's this tournament going to come online to sign up? I'm like ready to pay my money. So I signed up right away and I'm excited about it, man, because there are, it's actually looks like it's a very kayak friendly, like even though it's so big and yet you definitely have a lot of uh, open water that will not be kayak friendly if you get out there and the, and the winds pick up, but there's a lot of uh, backwaters and bays and, you know, places you can get out of, of the way. Now it is a bummer. We're not going to be able to launch from the Vermont side because there's a bunch of rivers and creeks coming in over there that a little bit bigger that, uh, you know, that would have been cool. But uh, apparently there's uh, some, some issue with permit getting permits for a tournament or something out of Vermont. So all of us are on the New York side. Um, but man, I'm excited, dude. I'm just, I'm just pumped to get over there and check it out and see if, if I can make a, a smallmouth play, which is obviously a fish that we all love to catch. Or if we're gonna have to go largemouth fishing, I, I don't know. I don't have a clue, man. I mean, yeah,
0: I, I think this is like I'm a little bit nervous about this one, uh, just because this is a weird year for uh, a weird part of the year for New York, and I have no idea how to break down um, like Lake Champlain. You know, I've been fishing Cayuga, Oneida. Uh, I'm going up this weekend to fish the uh, Saint Lawrence River, but the, the 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 very like the the difference in like water temps and all these bodies of water is ridiculous. I was looking like the best I could find out uh, through research is that like. Um, it's still like the water temps are still in the sixties on Champlain right now. I'm like, wow. And I'm like, and like the fish here are already off the beds, uh, you know, post-spawn, you know, off of 09. I'm like, so where are these fish going to be? Uh, you know, are, are they going to be on beds? Are they going to be like, are they going to be all three stages? I mean, I just have, and, that, and I guess it's the hardest part for me. Cause like, I'm really, I'm good at the, obviously everyone's good at pre-spawn. And then I, I and I'm really comfortable during the summer when the fish start getting their summer activities, but when they get in this weird phase of like where they are, are they off the bed? Are they post-spawn? Are they, on bed, it's just like it's the, 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 it, it frustrates me to think about it because I am like I don't even know where to start right now. So like, I mean, you get you know, yeah. Like there yeah and, and just start you know you know you know, one bite at a time type shit. But still, right now I am just like trying my best to figure out where these fish are gonna be because it's just a weird year with a uh, with temperatures as well. So I don't, I don't even know how to. I can't. Even, I, I I shouldn't even think about the place until I get there on on Wednesday or Thursday. <laughs> No, man,
1: that's no fun. You got to think about it. I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it since they announced it. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, that's the most fun, uh, honestly, with these tournaments. As soon as they announce the schedule and you know which ones you're doing, it's all that map study and just thinking about it. Uh, Dude, I thought about Possum Kingdom for a month because, as uh, we announced yesterday, you know, know, my wife and I are expecting another uh, little kid, so a little girl, actually. So we're excited about that. But uh, I haven't been, I didn't fish a tournament up until this Possum Kingdom tournament for like a month which is a pretty long time because may is a good good month to be fishing but it just happened to work out in my schedule where I was gonna be taking this month off anyway because uh, actually our son Theo his birthday was right during the Hobie Hartwell so I was like well I'll miss that one obviously I want to be around for my son's three-year-old birthday so not gonna miss that so a whole month was off right taking care of her and and, and him and the dogs and all that and just I'm just like pining over Possum King just looking at the map so many times researching everything and the same thing with all these events this is This is what I love more than probably the event is all this this anticipation of the event, man. It's it's incredible. This is going to be such a good a good lake, and and we're going to catch them pre fishing. Everybody catches them here. I know that. I'm pretty sure those backwaters, those shallow backwaters, have to be over the 60s. But the main lake is probably like you said, probably in upper 60s, and and that's good. You know, I wonder if if they're spawning now, and if if actually because if they were still spawning in Texas during the classic, some of the anglers said they still saw some fish coming off the beds. Some people thought fish in possum kingdom were. Then of course there's going to be fish spawning on Champlain. You know, yeah. of course, yeah. gotta be. I don't know about pre spawn, but at least, but definitely spawn. You know, so man, will that come into play? Will someone use a flogger on a kayak? I don't know if you ever used those or seen those, but they're uh, those big, basically big. Uh, it's like an underwater uh, viewing. Uh, binocular thing you oh, can like stick it yeah the pros, the pros the pros stick them under the water and they look for the fish you know the clear water this ones that are on bed and try to find them Like could someone you know does someone have one of those they're going to pull out <laughs> and catch bedding fish in 20 you know 15 foot of water yeah bedding smallmouth four pound smallies i mean I, I don't know dude but it, it could come, it all could come into play you know right we'll see
0: all right cool man we've exhausted our time we both got theo's we gotta take care of yeah uh anybody want to thank just made fishing, like whatever it is you're trying to put in some plugs and people can follow you, uh, people who make fishing easier for you, things like that.
1: Oh, I mean, honestly, I'd, I'd be here if I went through the list. So I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to say, you know, if you guys want to follow me, Drew Gregory Fishing on uh, all the social media platforms, that'd be cool. You, you'll see, you know, obviously talk about my sponsors and the folks that, like you said, help me. Uh, make fishing easier, more comfortable, and whatnot. So just tune into those places. And honestly, I'd rather just take this time to thank you, all the media for kayak fishing, all the anglers, all the tournament directors, everyone who's come before us. Uh, this Bass Nation Kayak Series Championship wouldn't have happened uh, without all the hard work from everybody. And so a little piece of everybody, everybody was in that championship. And uh, so Hobie, KBF, all the the major organizations. I mean, just huge thanks to all you guys out there because we're the ones who continue. To, can continue to grow this thing and and make it bigger and bigger and just and really what's more important is just just better you know what i mean and just more well respected because we can catch them as good as, as those guys we're, we're not trying to be on the elite series we we're trying to do this this is what we love so i don't think people realize that they're like oh they're just trying to so i just want to see us get a little bit a little bit more respect where it's just a natural thing that flows out of the mouth in the mainstream fishing media when they're recapping these the week of all the tournaments or whatever that they mentioned that, you know, whatever, like, oh, and Mark Pendergraft won with this many inches. It's like it matters to them to mention, and we're, we're getting there. So thanks to everybody out there, and thank you,
0: buddy. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I will see you sometime next week.
1: All right, man. See ya. Right, Looking see forward you. to it.